This is Anchor LA, a podcast presenting world headlines, technology news, arts and data, and encouragement from the Praise Light Media Studios in Panorama City, California. Good day, it's Wednesday, the 15th of November, 2017. On this week's podcast, a defeat for Verizon's Yahoo!, how radio in 1938 is similar to today's social media, and Christian persecution. Why does it exist and how do we respond? But first, this week's headline story. The border region between Iran and Iraq experienced the deadliest earthquake to date in 2017 on Sunday night. The 7.3 magnitude earthquake is estimated to have killed between 530 and 580 people and injured over 7,000 people, this according to Forbes, which also reported that most of the reported casualties are in Iran's western province of Kermanshah, nearby the epicenter of the earthquake. Search efforts are underway in the region with rescue workers digging through the rubble in an attempt to find any missing people. The earthquake triggered multiple major landslides as a result of the shaking, making rescue efforts more difficult in the mountainous region. In addition, many people were forced to sleep outside or in incomplete buildings as nighttime temperatures dropped below freezing. The earthquake was felt as far away as Turkey, Israel, and Kuwait. Google reclaimed on Tuesday its spot as the default search engine on Mozilla's Firefox internet browser in the US and other regions, as the browser makers stunned Verizon's Yahoo by canceling their deal. Google will be Firefox's default search provider on desktop and mobile in the US, Canada, Hong Kong, and Taiwan. Yahoo had paid Mozilla $375 million in 2015 and said that it would pay at least the same amount annually through 2019, so today's move caught the giant off guard and Verizon has stated that they are in talks with Mozilla regarding the decision. The move comes on the heels of a new release for the Firefox browser and slight branding redesign to the quantum edition of the web navigator. On Sunday, October 30th, 1938, a strange phenomenon occurred. Although perhaps not so strange, judging from similar reactions demonstrated now daily, over 79 years later. In 1938, CBS radio series Mercury Theater was broadcast at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. The evening's episode was an Orson Welles adaptation of H.G. Wells' The War of the Worlds. The program's format was a simulated live newscast of developing events. The setting was switched from 19th century England to the contemporary setting of 1938 Grover's Mill, New Jersey. The first two-thirds of the hour-long play was formatted as a retelling of events of the novel presented as news bulletins interrupting another different program. Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. 
At 20 minutes before 8 central time, Professor Farrell of the Mount Jennings Observatory, Chicago, Illinois, reports observing several explosions of incandescent gas occurring at regular intervals on the planet Mars. The spectroscope indicates the gas to be hydrogen and moving toward the Earth with enormous velocity. Professor Pearson of the observatory at Princeton confirms Farrell's observation and describes the phenomenon as, quote, like a jet of blue flame shot from a gun, unquote. We now return you to the music of Ramon Raquello playing for you in the Meridian Room of the Park Plaza Hotel situated in downtown New York. An interview was arranged with reporter Carl Phillips and a professor of astronomy, Richard Pearson, who dismissed speculation about life on Mars. The program's news reports grew more frequent and increasingly ominous as a cylindrical meteorite landed in Grover's Mill. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the latest bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. Toronto, Canada. Professor Morris of Macmillan University reports observing a total of three explosions on the planet Mars between the hours of 7.45 p.m. and 9.20 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This confirms earlier reports received from American observatories. Now nearer home comes a special bulletin from Trenton, New Jersey. It is reported that at 8.50 p.m. a huge flaming object, believed to be a meteorite, fell on a farm in the neighborhood of Grover's Mill, New Jersey, 22 miles from Trenton. The flash in the sky was visible within a radius of several hundred miles, and the noise of the impact was heard as far north as Elizabeth. We have dispatched a special mobile unit to the scene, and we'll have our commentator, Carl Phillips, give you a word picture of the scene as soon as he can reach there from Princeton. In the meantime, we take you to the Hotel Martinet in Brooklyn, where Bobby Millett and his orchestra are offering a program of dance music. Reports of a crowd gathering at the site were broadcast, and Phillips and Pearson related the events. The cylinder unscrewed and onlookers caught a glimpse of a tentacled, pulsating, barely mobile Marson inside of it before it suddenly incinerated the entire crowd with heat rays. News reporter Phillips' souch about incoming flames were cut off mid-sentence. The simulated regular programming ceased altogether as studios struggled with the supposed casualty and firefighting updates. Wait a minute, something's happening. Humped shape is rising out of the pit. I can make out a small beam of light against a mirror. What's that? There's a jet of flame springing from the mirror and it leaps right at the advancing men. It strikes them head on. Lord, they're turning into flames. Now the whole field's caught up by the woods. The fires are... The gas tank, tanks of the automobiles are spreading everywhere. Coming this way now, about 20 yards to my right. Ladies and gentlemen, due to circumstances beyond our control, we are unable to continue the broadcast from Grover's Mill. Evidently, there's some difficulty with our field transmission. However, we will return to that point at the earliest opportunity. The simulated regular programming ceased altogether as the studios struggled with the supposed casualty and firefighting updates. Eventually, after much drama and coverage, a news reporter broadcasting from atop the broadcasting building described the Marson invasion of New York City. Wait a minute. The, the enemy is now in sight above the Palisades. Five, five great machines. First one is crossing the river. I can see it from here, wading, wading the Hudson like a man wading through a brook. A bulletin has handed me. Martian cylinders are falling all over the country. One outside of Buffalo, one in Chicago, St. Louis. Seem to be timed in space. 
Now the first machine reaches the shore. He stands watching, looking over the city. Steel cowlish head is even with the skyscrapers. He waits for the others. They rise like a line of new towers on the city's west side. Now they're lifting their metal hands. This is the end now. Smoke comes out, black smoke drifting over the city. People in the streets see it now. They're running toward the East River, thousands of them. Dropping in like rats. Now the smoke's spreading faster. It's reached Times Square. People are trying to run away from it, but it's no use. They, they're falling like flies. Now the smoke's crossing 6th Avenue. 5th Avenue. A uh, hundred yards away. It's... It's 50 feet. And at the end of the dramatic radio play, a ham operator is heard calling... 2X2L calling CQ. 2X2L calling CQ New York. Isn't there anyone on the air? Isn't there anyone on the air? Isn't there anyone? During the broadcast, despite several initial and subsequent announcements of the show's fictitious nature, pandemonium set in across the entire country. In rural New Jersey, men with guns stormed the Pine Barrens looking for Marsons. In concrete Washington, phone lines and electricity suffered a short circuit at the Superior Portland Cement Company's substation. Residents were unable to call neighbors, family, or friends to calm their fears. An actor in the CBS studios who had finished his part recalled seeing a few policemen coming in, then a few more. Soon the room was full of policemen and a massive struggle was going on between the police, page boys, and CBS executives who were trying to prevent the police from breaking in and stopping the show. All across the nation, panic struck the hearts of listeners and rumors spread almost faster than the airwaves. Mayors in the Midwest called CBS demanding the show air a disclaimer immediately as their towns were experiencing riots and mayhem. Studies have since indicated that many missed the repeated notices about the broadcast being fictional, partly because the Mercury Theater on the air ran at the same time as NBC's popular Chase and Sanborn Hour, that evening featuring special ventriloquist Edgar Bergen. At the time, many Americans assumed that a significant number of Chase and Sanborn listeners changed stations when the first comic sketch ended. There have been several other speculations of how chaos ensued from a fictional radio program, some even claiming the panic itself was exaggerated by news media looking for a story which is entirely believable as well. But all we need to do is look at ourselves to know the answer for the events of that evening. Man is prone to believe what they want to believe, and like it or not, we tend to believe others who may or may not be trustworthy. This is how today's fake news and other rumors spread on social media and other platforms. It becomes fact in many people's minds. This influences decisions, behavior, and morale to an extent now that perhaps we may have never seen before. And it shows that even though technology has progressed much since 1938, our innate desire for a story and our willingness to believe the end has arrived is wired into every one of us.
And whether it be Martians, G-Men, Republicans, Democrats, or Anthrax, we should always check and recheck our sources and our common sense. For Anchor LA, I'm Ben Ditzel. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Persecution is a word that is used somewhat lightly in many places where it's not so evident. But persecution against Christians is all too prevalent today. Not so much in places like Australia, Western Europe, or North America, but in the Middle East, Africa, and parts of Asia, being a Christian and holding to that belief isn't just a tagline, it's an identity, a branding, and facing earthly death is commonplace yes in today's world. In fact, it's incredible how immune or unaware the Western world has become of the plight of our brothers and sisters in Christ who face possible death every moment because they simply believe that God exists, that Jesus died for them. But why? Why does the world hate them? Why all too soon? Why will this very same persecution come here to the Western world, from Los Angeles to London, Surrey to Sydney, and Toronto to Texarkana. Persecution of true Bible-believing Christians is coming, and the fires are already sparking. But why? Why Christians? Why can't the world live and let live like they so often claim to do? 2 Timothy 3 tells us that all who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, not just all who do it, but all who even desire to do it. The Christian walk is set apart from the worldly walk. If we were of the world, the world would love us. But John 15 continues by saying that because we are not of the world, Christ chose us out of the world, and because of this, the world hates us. The world is very wary of non-conformists, people who don't walk their walk. Those who don't embrace the patterns that godless cultures, which are any cultures other than Christ's, will be hated. They will be persecuted because believers in Christ have affection for holy things after their hearts have been redeemed by Christ, and we as Christians are called by Him. We present the message of the gospel verbally and physically in our lifestyle and our actions. And the gospel of Christ is, by its very nature, offensive to the world, to its morals, and to its own sin patterns. Christ has redeemed our hearts just like our childhood tastes change into adult tastes. We no longer crave the bubblegum-flavored popcorn for dinner, but instead want a nourishing, hearty steak. The redemption of our hearts by Christ has changed our desires to reflect Him. We desire and have affections for heavenly things. We seek Christ and His words leading. No longer do we seek and follow the calls from the world. This world does not know God because they love their sin. We can't love sin and God simultaneously, and so don't be surprised when the world hates you. If it doesn't right now, if you truly follow Christ, it will. Persecution is evidence that we love Christ, not this world. Persecution is a gift, and even though man can kill our earthly body, 
they cannot touch our standing in the next life, the one that really matters. Seek Christ over earthly things. James 1 says, Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Finally, don't pray against persecution, because then we'd be praying against the gospel going forth and Christ's church multiplying. Instead, pray with the persecuted. Pray with the persecuted believers around the world that they would not fear persecution. The Holy Spirit is our comforter and our helper. He will give us the words to speak the peace that we need and the assurance that we seek when the time comes. In the meantime, may we in the Western world gird ourselves with truth, cling to the gospel. We have the Holy Spirit and God's word which will carry us through the bodily trials of persecution. May we persevere. All we have to do is read God's word and look at current events to know it's coming, and it's coming very soon. And I say this to my brothers and sisters in Christ, arm yourself with scripture while we still can. The last battle is very near. Thanks for listening to Anchor LA on Twitter at Anchor LA Podcast and Facebook.com slash Anchor LA, where you can find links and information to various topics we cover on the show. Contact us anytime with questions or comments or call into our show directly on the Anchor app with input or suggestions. We'd always love to hear from you. Until next time from Panorama City, California, I'm Ben Ditzel. This is Anchor LA.